Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. Welcome back to the recap. This is the January 22nd. This is the January 22nd. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome back to the recap. This is the January 22nd episode. I'm always laughing when we do this introduction because I'm always messing it up. I always start it and then I have no idea what the actual date is. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, it does get confusing. Yeah, because we're recording on Tuesday. Right. Like always, we're both starting it off going, I didn't really write much. I don't have much. So I most definitely now will have to cut out 40 minutes of our talking in order to fit it all in. Right. I know we jinx ourselves whenever we say that. Yeah. So starting in January 17th, I'm sorry. Starting Genesis, Genesis 17, 17 yeah. this <laughs> week. <laughs> All right. We are still with Abraham. 17 was that covenant. That that was just, mm-hmm. I just enjoyed reading the way God makes those promises to Abraham. Yes. I'm still kind of amazed at how often we're still talking about the same promise. Like it's so multiple promises, but mm-hmm. it's the same promise. Yep. When they pass through the the offering, or when nope, when God passes mm-hmm. through the offering, or the flame passes through the offering, I, I guess I just there's a part of me like, what's the difference between all of these? Obviously, His word was sealed, and it was true. It was truly a covenant the very first time mm-hmm. that He made the promise. He's God, but then the covenant, you know, maybe is just a symbol for man to recognize that this was like a covenant that God was going to fulfill mm-hmm. on His own. That wasn't between two people. Um, that's really kind of the moment that it became a covenant, right? It was a promise to begin with, and then it becomes a covenant when yeah. God passes oh, through. Okay, Interesting. I mean, right. Well, uh, then in, in 22, wondering. like when Abraham takes Isaac as a sacrifice, like after that, yes. God reiterates the promise again, which is pretty much the yes. same promise that he's going to make a great nation Thank, of him. Yes, that's kind And of he point. does it again when he's talking with, hey, when he's sands. talking about Ishmael. And God says to Abraham, I mean, it's a, it's a different promise, I guess, because it's a different son, but God says, don't worry, I'm going to make a great nation out of him also, because he's Mm -hmm. also your son. Yeah. That actually makes me think of Cain. It says that God had regard for Abel and his sacrifice, but he didn't have regard for Cain and sacrifice. But then immediately after you see God do this like fathering thing with Cain Mm or like he, so it's not like even if he had regard for Abel's sacrifice, it wasn't like his eyes were off of Cain. Like his eye, he saw Cain being downcast and he came to him, you know, yeah. and he blessed him like a father yeah. to a son. So the love was still there. It's not like, do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That word regard is interesting to me. I guess I've always, and I don't know why, but I always read it in my mind, at least as accepted that like mm. Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's was not accepted because I of their, that's actually how it's translated in other translations. Oh, maybe that's why you pointed out that where it says that Abel's was an offering of the first fruits, like that's a reflection of their heart situation, mm-hmm. right? Like 
the way that they regarded God, like what their devotion to him was, was reflected in what they brought to him. And so one was accepted, not because of the actual item, but because of the way they brought it. And what I'm seeing here, like the correlation that I think I'm seeing between Cain and Ishmael and Hagar and all that, is that just this like idea that even though the promise is given to the one or the regard or the favor or the acceptance or whatever, does not mean that God's, God doesn't, God is love. Like that is who Mm -hmm. he is. So like, it's neat that you see his love carry on to Cain, which we talk Mm -hmm. about in that study. And similarly, like Abraham's love for Ishmael. God is like, I also love Ishmael and I will be with him too. Kind of that promise that's, that you're bringing up, I think is neat. Back to what you were saying in the last podcast about the fact that like God made man in his image, humanity, not separate man, woman, or separate. You're my group and you're not my group, but Mm -hmm. like you, humanity, we are made in God's image, regardless of. Yes who we are, that redemption that Jesus comes to provide is available to humanity, not yes. just yes. pockets of people. Yeah. yeah, so good. I just wanted to take a short break to let you know that we have a brand new community of believers on our Dive Collective Network. If you're looking for a more in-depth Bible study, we offer what we call Dive Studies. Right now, we're going through the book of Genesis in eight-week sections, and we'd love to have you join us. We have weekly meetings via Zoom. So if you're looking to go further in your studies, I highly recommend that you come and see us at divecollective.org for more information. Hey, there was something that I noticed that I wanted to ask you about that I'd never noticed before in Sodom and Gomorrah. Twice, once in 18 and once in 19, it talks about, it says that God heard the cries of the victims in Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. I've never, when I think of Sodom and Gomorrah, I just think of these evil cities, like that they were full of evil people. And yet in 20 and 21 of chapter 18, I don't know how the ESV translates it, but it says, God continued, the cries of the victims in Sodom and Gomorrah are deafening. The sin of those cities is immense. I'm going down to see for myself. And then again in 19. Is this the message? Mm-hmm. This is why you've never seen it before. Did you look it up any other? I didn't. I was like, I'll just wait and ask Aaron. It says, then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave. I will go down to see whether they have done, whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. So that makes, if not, I I mean, who's know. crying out against you? Like, if, I mean, literally we just read in Cain and Abel that after Cain kills Abel, it's his blood that's crying his out blood to that's crying out. God yeah. from the grave. That like that idea that the eternal nature of us right. after we live. And that got that idea that God sees all of it, like we were yeah. kind of just talking about. Yeah. And that it has to be answered for. And we'll mm-hmm. see, we see that I think after Noah, the blessing that God gives Noah, this was a couple, mm-hmm. this was last week that like, the, the vengeance and the justice that will be right. handed down for anybody who kills somebody that's made in God's image. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I don't really know whether I'm going to imagine there's murder going on, but it's just wicked, a wicked, wicked place. So that I wasn't even thinking murder. Like I was thinking actual victims that are alive yes. in the city, people that have, but what you're saying kind of makes a little bit more sense 
when you think about it in the context of Cain and Abel. Well, it might not be. destroys the whole city. That's kind of where I had a hard time because I'm like, wait a second. If there are victims in the city crying out to God and then he comes and he destroys the whole thing, like what's happening here? And so that kind of helps me put a little bit of a category in it. Like yes. Categorize it. <laughs> yes. Because it made it like I'm reading there are victims here and, and then God only rescues Lot. Yes. So that so kind of helps explain a little bit, at least for me and my human. Well, God was going to rescue people. more than them. This is what stood out to me that I'd never read before is in chapter 19, starting in 15. Okay. It says as morning dawned, the angels urged a lot saying up, oh, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city it says, but he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. I love that so much. They came and they promised Abraham that there was one righteous in the city, that they would rescue him. And Lot, by those words, I was like, he didn't necessarily deserve to be rescued. He lingered. He stayed. He was like not wholly committed to the escape that they were offering him mm-hmm. and it's almost like because of their love for Abraham it's like I'm kind of like reading into it but it feels like it's yeah. almost like their promise to Abraham they were like they literally pick him up and he takes right. him out of the city and they set him down right they set him outside the city and they're like don't stop go and don't look back now we see yeah. at this point lot remains focused on leaving the city he does mm-hmm. not look back and he obeys versus his wife whose name I can't remember who turns into a pillar of salt this- I'd never seen that that he lingered Yeah. Okay. So this makes me think this, this is totally me wondering out loud and I'm going to be like way off base in some of the things I'm going to say. So just to warn you, (laughs) we love that. That's the best part of the recap. (laughs) Based on like what I know is true about how salvation works, but this totally makes me think of something we've talked about before. We talked about it in Matthew and we did the Mark study about the friends that bring paralyzed man and they drop him down through the roof so that Jesus Mm -hmm. can heal him. And when I read this, Abraham is those friends. It's almost like Lot doesn't, Lot doesn't even really want to be rescued. It seems like, like in his hesitating and the fact that he chose to go there in the first place. And he, it seems like he doesn't, he's so caught up. He's so caught up in that the temptations and the temporary pleasure that he's finding in these sinful cities that his friend Abraham intervenes with the Lord and then Lot is rescued and brought out. And I don't know what Lot doesn't have this like great redemption story, really. I mean he's kind of a train wreck. So it just it's interesting, right? Because it kind of goes back to that same like I want to compare all these people. Like you can compare Abraham and Lot, and it's like Abraham is so much more faithful than Lot is, who right saved and rescued and does nothing with it except continue brings about the Moabites, you know? Right. And who are the Moabites? They're nobody. Oh, except oh, except both of them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, right. Well, the people that come from Lot are Israel's enemies, like right, eternal enemies. Both of the groups of people that. But that's come not from how Lot's Christ daughters. sees them, because Christ right. brings them right into the redemption plan, right? right. Like, right. That's the part that's just like I want to compare them and call one good and one bad, and uh-huh. God sees us as humanity. We are just yeah. humanity who He is coming to rescue. We are supposed to see Israel as the picture of righteousness, you know, and the desi- like that desire to follow God mm-hmm. and to be holy. 
But in reality, who we are is all of it. Like we right. have a desire to be holy. And yet we also desire all the good things of, of the cities of Gomorrah. You know, right. We're just, and thank God he sees us. Mm-hmm. All the, he sees us all the same. And his greatest desire is to yes. rescue us and be with us. Yeah. Ah, yeah. It's too that much. whole idea that at the cross, everyone is on complete, completely even playing fields. Yeah. Like we're we just are, man. Yep. We're just man made in the image of God. Really fast. This is my last thing I'm going to say about Genesis. I'm pretty sure this is totally a message. Like it stuck out to me because of what I'm reading. When Abraham takes Isaac to the mountain. As oh gosh. How could we miss that? Skip that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. But <laughs> The big deal. Yeah. But well, okay. So two things really fast. Twice. I just loved Abraham, how he's like at the beginning God says, Abraham, and Abraham says, yes, God, I'm listening. And so then God tells him, I want you to sacrifice your son. Like, that's not good news. And then (laughs) once he has Isaac on the altar, just as he's about to kill him and offer him as a sacrifice, God says, Abraham, and Abraham says, yes, I'm listening. And just that, just like thinking about, like, I'm sure at that point he was like, really listening, like waiting for that second for God to intervene and give him another option. But the fact that he was listening before that wasn't just listening in that moment, that crucial moment when yes. he like needed God to work. He was listening before. From when he in, was called out of on a normal day. Yeah. Like he just, his habit of listening to God and how that there's such a big reward for him. And trusting this him. Story. Right. Well yes. then, so right after that, This is a message translation, I think, but in verse 12, after Abraham says, yes, I'm listening. um, The angel of God says, don't lay a hand on that boy. Don't touch him. Now I know how fearlessly you fear God. Mm. That phrase was just a cool, like to think about like those are two, that's the same word, but it's like totally different meanings, you know, and that Abraham, right. Like he feared Mm. God in that reverent awe but he was fearless in the way that he did it. And the reason he was fearless is because he trusted God. Like God had proven himself and kept his promise over and over. And so in this situation where Abraham's probably like, um, this is the opposite of what you promised me, but I'm going to fearlessly fear you because I know that you keep your promises. And I know that you keeping your promises doesn't always look the way that I expect it to look. Yeah. So, like, I can't picture how on earth are you going to fulfill the promise? Right. Make a nation out of my son. If I've got if this I have to sacrifice altar. him. Right. But you can, I know you can right. because you're God. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense that he is the father of, mm-hmm. he's the father of the faith because that's, that's what we see here is a man that comes out. I was just going to say, but we see his faults too. And I love that we see, like, we can look at Abraham as a whole and see that he's a man of faith and almost see him the way God sees him in spite of the things that we have recorded that he doesn't, obviously he's not perfect. He's a man. I, I love that we have both of those perspectives, I think is what I'm trying to say. It makes me think of the way I felt about reading about David last year, where I was like, David's amazing. And then you see like, <laughs> and then crushed. Yeah. And then you see the him be like the way that he treats his daughter and you're like, yeah, the worst. He's yeah. The- you're awful. I don't remember that being the case with Abraham so much. Like yeah. I remember ever seeing something with Abraham that I'm like, you're the worst. How did yeah. you end up being a man after God's own heart? But I, I mean, he's human, right? That's the right. point. I it's feel like for awful. me, it's Hagar. 
that whole thing is where I'm like, uh, so I was reading that and I was like, that is, I walked away from last week's Genesis study and was like, I'm going to pay attention to how, oh, this like undoes everything that I was just talking about, about like <laughs> I was showing me this last week, but this is like where my thinking was last week before God was like, no, this is humanity across the board. Oh yeah. Okay. Gotcha. But I was looking at like the way that Adam had received a longing from God and got to see how God fulfilled that longing. Mm-hmm. When he created Eve. Yeah. Creating Eve was the fulfillment of a longing that God showed Adam that he even had for to begin mm-hmm. with. And then showed him when you have a longing, this is how I fulfill those longings perfectly and beyond your expectation. Mm-hmm. We don't see Eve have that experience because she's born into creation, a full creation, beasts, trees, garden of Eden and an Adam all, all together. Like she's kind of created it. And so the first time that we see Eve even like enticed that there might be more that she's missing out on is the serpent tempting her. Mm -hmm. And Adam is standing right there when that happens. And it's almost like, okay. So what it says is that when God fulfilled Adam's desires, he brought her to him. And what you see in Eve is that when she saw that it was good for wisdom, she took it. And she mm-hmm. ate it. And so I was looking at that difference between some, like God bringing you something like the mm-hmm. desires of your heart versus getting a bee in your bonnet about something that you want and then not being able to get it out of your head until you go and you take it and you make mm-hmm. it yours because you don't trust that God is going to give it to you. Right. Yep. And so I'm looking at like the way that, so when I was reading Abraham and Sarah this week, I was like, Sarah took it. Sarah, yeah. saw God promised this thing to Abraham and Abraham knew what God could do if God was allowed to fulfill the promise, Sarah was like, well, let's go make it happen. Our, like, well, let's yeah. take this promise that we've, this thing that we want rather than waiting for God to do it. And just as Adam was just as responsible for not stepping in and saying, no, if we wait, God will do this thing. Abraham also could have been like, no, if we wait, mm-hmm. God will do this thing. So yeah. And then it goes back to that whole, like, yes, it's equal. It's across the board. Like we're each equally responsible, but that difference mm-hmm. between like, waiting for God to bring some, bring you the longings of your heart versus Mm -hmm. taking it. Yeah. That's another kind of theme that I'm paying attention to is like the taking versus God bringing Abraham and Sarah. I see that whole thing as like Mm -hmm. definitely both of them that, and, and Abraham's passive role, very much like Adam's passive role. Yeah. Um, When Abraham knew and Adam knew. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I've been thinking a lot about my taking the ways that I, yeah. That's, and there's a that's lot of definitely them. some good food for thought right there. Okay. This is going to be. Now that we spent 45 minutes in Genesis. <laughs> yes. You can share what you shared in, about Nehemiah. I think that's fantastic. And that will, you talked about Nehemiah 9 and how you just love the recap. Oh, 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 oh. Yes. Oh. Mm. Can I just like, plug the recap right now? Like that's, that's what we're doing. When we read through the Bible every year, yeah. that's exactly what we're doing. It's like, let's recount the history. Like, Let's not forget all the story because the history and where we came from is so critical for understanding who we are today, who we are today, and who God is, and how He Mm -hmm. relates to us and works with us. And yeah, um, but He's He's talking about all these things that God's done, but He's also talking about all the things that Israel's done and the ways that they've like completely rejected Him in spite of Uh His. I'm just going to read this one section. 
But they, our ancestors, were arrogant, bullheaded. They wouldn't obey your commands. They turned a deaf ear. They refused to remember the miracles you had done for them. They turned stubborn, got it into their heads, and got it into their heads to return to their Egyptian slavery. And you, a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, incredibly patient with tons of love, you didn't dump them. Even when they cast a sculpted calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt and continued from bad to worse, you and your amazing compassion didn't walk off and leave them in the desert. The pillar of cloud didn't leave them daily. It continued to show them their route. The pillar of fire did the same by night, showed them the right way to go. And I mean, he goes, he's talking about it's manna. We were like, just talking about. Yes. How there's always enough manna. Like he's not stingy with what he gives them. He gives. Even the though they he, don't deserve it. They don't deserve any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how they bring them to land of Canaan and they get comfortable. They settle in. They grow fat on the lush of like Lush, extensive orchards, they ate, grew fat on the fat of the land. They reveled in your bountiful goodness, but then they mutinied and they rebel and he, and he goes and he talks about what they do and in keeping. And then he says, but when they called out for help in their troubles, you listened from heaven and in keeping with your bottomless compassion, you gave them saviors. He's talking about, um, the prophets, how the prophets show up and they tell them what God is, but this whole chapter, I mean, just go and read it. And it's really good in the message, the message. You can see the whole story of Israel's history and over and over how God's compassion outweighs the Israelites rebellion, like just still because of your great compassion, you didn't make a total end to them, which that's another thing. When we read, I think, especially in the prophets, we see a lot of God's wrath, like Mm -hmm. how he responds in discipline to the Israelites and their rebellion, but Nehemiah, well, this isn't Nehemiah saying this, but in Nehemiah, it says, because of your great compassion, you didn't make a total end to them. You didn't walk out and leave them for good. Yes. You are a God of grace and compassion. And going with that theme, one of the things I love is that whole, so they're, they're reciting all of this history Mm -hmm. and then their response, what they're going to do. In fact, in um, chapter 10, verse 35, it says, we obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree. That made me think of the chapters we're reading in Genesis right now. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of chapter 10, the very last line, it says, we will not neglect the house of our God. So they're making promises that they're going to go back to doing things the way that God called them to do things. Mm-hmm. They're making this covenant, this merciful God whose compassion never ends we know the end of the story. We know yeah. because we're in Matthew now. So we see that these very Pharisees and scribes, the ones who were supposed to not neglect the house of our God are getting it all wrong. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is there because God does not ever forget his mercy and his promise mm-hmm. of compassion toward us that like mm-hmm. they, they've just made the promise. We're not going to do it again. We're not going to neglect the house of our God. We're going to, we're going to do this thing right this time, this time yeah. got this, you know, and God never, it's he not knew. dependent on that heat. Right. No, yeah. he knew from the very beginning, which is why like Jesus, the plan for Jesus was all along. Mo- Noah's name being a foreshadowing of Jesus is not a mistake. Like all of right. this is just leading us to Matthew and to what God is doing in the gospel, in the good news, the greatest mm. news. So we're in Matthew it was 16 through 22 this week. Uh, or the, the thing that hit me the hardest this week We've studied Matthew before. 
for those of you who aren't part of the Dive Collective community, you can still access Dive Matthew to kind of see how we do our dive studies on the Dive Collective podcast. So it's a different podcast. It's called the Dive Collective podcast. The podcast cover is the three of us on the couch for that one now. Um, But season one is Dive Matthew. And in Dive Matthew, we did cover this parable. Chapter 18 is when you see the parable of the master. He's basically owed 20,000, 10,000 talents. And I think that we talked about like that was 200 years worth of service, like days worth of work. Yeah. Um, It was, it was unforgivable. Yeah. Unrepayable. Unrepayable. Yeah. Yeah. It was a debt that was unrepayable. And so the guy basically asks them, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt because he was like, there's no, there's no way. Yeah. It's like pity into think like that. You even think that you could repay me is just, Mm -hmm. he had compassion. It was like, you can't like, even if you could repay me, there's not enough days Mm -hmm. in a, in your lifetime to repay this amount. And so he forgave him everything. And that obviously is a picture of the debt that we have every, we wake up in the morning and we don't live five minutes before we haven't given God Mm-hmm. the regard and the honor that he's due, you know, like our debt to him, it's not payable. It just is yeah. there's not enough lifetimes for us to live, to ever live the holy requirement on our parts to be able to be in right relationship with him. So anyway, so the guy who has been forgiven all of these debts, God's compassion sends Jesus. And that is the forgiveness of that debt that we could not repay on our own. God pays that with his son. Then this guy goes out and he's like, he finds the guy that owes him a hundred denarii. So like 100 days worth of work is all it would have taken to repay him. And he said, he begins to choke him saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. And he could have paid him, but he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. That realization in me, when I think about like how I judge Cain or how I judge Mm -hmm. anybody, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. the And that that is all inside of me. And I don't recognize, I don't recognize how severe my debt is. Just like that guy who was like, I'll pay it back. I'll pay it back. And the guy's like, there's, you don't realize that you could never pay it back. You know, like, that's me. I just recognize myself and I don't realize how severe the debt is that has been forgiven. And so it's so easy for me to judge and treat harshly people who. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying earlier, recognizing how much we've been forgiven. Yeah, like I just there, don't. The automatic response should be to then offer that to others. Grace and compassion yeah. to others. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. really cool things in here. It makes me appreciate parables because mm-hmm. at the very beginning, Peter asks, it, the whole thing comes about because Peter asks how many times we're supposed to get forgive. And Jesus, yes. they have a law, they have a rule that says we're supposed to forgive seven times. And Jesus is like, that's forget that, throw it out. You're not even close. And then tells the story to illustrate it. And this story illustrates it so perfectly. Like, like he just knows our hearts. He knows our humanity and he remembers that we're dust. And so he tells us to do things in a way that he draws pictures that should make it. Yes. That overcomes those things. Like love your neighbor as yourself, because we all know that that's who we love the most. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right. That's the recap. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the recap. 
If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.